Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. My name is Vincent Wombs, and I'm joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And here the third week of a month that I am finding enjoyable. The Bards of November. We once again revisit the story of Othello the Moor with a modern retelling from 2001. Oh. Oh. But before we get to that, how are you this evening, Lynn? Oh, I'm fine, Vincent. How are you? I'm fine. The funny thing is no one talks like that in this movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what's missing. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk we'll, about it. We'll talk about all that. Um, but but you, you, you good? I'm doing better. I still got a little bit of a tickle in my throat, but okay. I, I, for the most part, am like, <laughs> I didn't know there this was that much tea in America. Yeah. I've yeah. been doing nothing but tea in the morning, tea in the afternoon, tea with, for dinner, tea before bed. Okay. I brush with tea. Tea, tea, tea for you and you for tea. It's it's that's all all I've been doing. All you've been doing. A constant constant um constant tea constantly. Constant comfort. I can't remember what it's called. It's some kind of flavor. Okay. And then I put honey in it. Put a little honey in it. I gotta put some honey in it. Honey. I don't understand people who just drink. Tell a- your lady is t- stick her pinky in. Like honey. Like Erica Badu say, stick a little. Am I gonna touch that? Okay. Um <laughs> I don't know, understand how people could just have a tea and just have the tea bag and no nothing added to. It. Are you a tea drinker? Not really. You're a coffee guy. I'm a coffee guy. Like I'm a coffee guy. I, you know, I, I I've had you know I like a cup of tea and I have it a certain way. My problem is I like my tea strong. Like I like my coffee, mm-hmm. but it's I feel like it's almost like going back and forth between different kinds of alcohol, like tea. Gets me crazy. Gets you all, it, and then it gives me crazy dreams. <laughs> really? Right. I've so like, I that. love like the Earl, like I love that Earl Grey black tea. I do like Earl Grey. But the way I like it is, is really too strong for me to, cause it, it gets me all crazy. Oh, so I'm not a tea wow. drinker. Usually you like a Dolomite black. Right. <laughs> That should be a T. Dolomite <laughs> Black. That should be a T. Dolomite Black. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm not a huge tea drinker. Okay. Usually. Uh, I, I I am. You are. Okay. I am. So, All right. so um, but thanks for everybody that I've mm-hmm. actually got some well wishes on the Absolutely. From some of the missionaries. Absolutely. So thank you. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the show, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And that means we are going to start things off with emails. Okay. Or in other words, missives from the missionaries. All right. So what else is going on, Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. Mrs. from the Missionaries. I couldn't do it. I couldn't get through the show. Sure, um, sure. Mrs. from the Missionaries, ladies and gentlemen, we have a an email from Michael Sykes. Hey, Michael. And the subject line is short and simple. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey, Len and Vincent. I know y'all still fired up from last week's episode, so I'll make this short and simple. 
Have a great and blessed Thanksgiving. Still love the podcast. We'll continue to listen despite getting tanked. <laughs> Laugh out loud. Michael Sykes. Hey, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. It's all love, brother. All love. All love indeed, man. Like, and um, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Most definitely. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, um, do you have big plans with Thanksgiving? Visit? No, just family. Going, family. And you bounce down, back and yeah, forth. Yeah, bounce back and forth. Driving down to Maryland. Okay. So, so you know, Wendy's family and my sister and, uh, you know, it's the, it's the bounce. It, it's one of those good problems. Uh, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Now, when you're going, are you're going for the dinner? Are you bringing anything? Yes. Like what? It, what is? What well, is? Well, as you know, my my wife makes a glorious pound cake. She does. Lord Jesus. Yes, yes she does. Yes, so a glorious pound cake. She will be baking some, and then my wife has gotten the highest honor in families over the past seven eight years. She's the designated macaroni and cheese maker. I know, right? Whoa. I know. Well, she's been knighted. I, look, man, <laughs> I don't know how I stumbled into this, but <laughs> I'm bringing a pound cake and a macaroni and cheese. Wow. I know, right? I See, now, I've never tasted Wendy's macaroni and cheese, well, man. It, don't, it doesn't happen that often. Like, you can't, you can't just be eating macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> We have to have a different kind of podcast. Right, right, right. My 600-pound Michelle Mission. <laughs> I do all my reviews from here. <laughs> so, you know. But, yeah, it's it's something special. Oh, man. Yeah, it's something special. That sounds good. So, I'm going over my older sister. She's having Thanksgiving mm -hmm. for everybody. And I've been designated to bring sodas juices okay for mixing and cranberry sauce oh okay so i bought the sodas which is primarily ginger ale because not a lot of big soda drinkers i okay. bought the juices because they said they want a cranberry juice and uh orange juice okay right, for mixing right those are the mixers there you go but they want a cranberry juice um cranberry sauce which i know they expect me to just go and buy a can of cranberry sauce okay onto a plate and here we go okay but I, for the first time See, ever, you, you already messing up in my entire life. You're already messing up. I am making homemade cranberry sauce. Why would you make it for the first time and take it to Thanksgiving? Because there can only be, there's always, there can only be one first time. Yeah, but it shouldn't be during Thanksgiving. But it's cranberry sauce. Like cranberry sauce, honestly, for, at least for my family, I don't know about for your family. But for my family, mm -hmm. if, if we, if the, if the Thanksgiving table was set and the cranberry sauce was not there, nobody would notice it until after we started eating. So there, there isn't a cranberry sauce person in your family? No. Okay. No. Because usually it seems like it's always like two or three people that are very passionate about cranberry sauce. I'm not one of them. But like you see people like, oh, I got to have my cranberry sauce. Nobody in my family is mad passionate about okay, it. Okay, so this so is a figure, kind of a low stakes. Right. So okay. I figured if, if, if anything, I'm going to try out on the cranberries. So, so I had the cranberries. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and I looked up because, you know, I don't, I don't I looked up recipes. I don't know I how mean, to make who, it. who knows how to make cranberries? Exactly. Right. So I found one that you, you can do in a slow cooker. Okay. I've got a slow cooker. Got a slow cooker. So all day, I'm, I'm, I've been looking forward to Wednesday. For so long, sure. Because Wednesday, I'm going to be cooking sure cranberry sauce, sure all day in well, a slow cooker. Well, you'll have to report back to the class. I will. Now, do you like cranberry sauce? Not at all. 
I mean, do you dislike it enough that you're not going to taste it? I will taste it. Of course I will taste it. I've tasted it. Okay, okay. (laughs) stop. Don't say of course as if this entire conversation has been wrong. Well, no, when you cook, you always, don't you always taste I'm just saying, like, you started with I'm making a dish for the first time for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Like, understand, we are in completely wrong. (laughs) We are in the land of wrong. It's not already. So, you know, I don't know. Hell yeah, I'm not going to taste it. I'm going to just make it. I'm going to eyeball it. See if it looks good. (laughs) I mean, that's where we are in this conversation. No, you you have to taste it. Okay. And I've tasted cranberry sauce to know that I don't necessarily you don't enjoy it, but, but, you but I want to and, taste and the say, difference. Okay. So I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, look. Report back to the class. I will. You want me to bring you some? No. You sure? I'm positive. Dylan, you want some homemade cranberry sauce? Dylan wants some cranberry well, sauce. Dylan can have my portion as well. Okay. <laughs> I don't like cranberry sauce. Though. Yeah, but this, I'll bring a little bit. I don't want you it. You gotta taste a little. I don't. <laughs> All right. But happy Thanksgiving, Michael. Happy Thanksgiving. And to each and every one of you, mm-hmm. missionaries. That's celebrate. We uh, got another. We got people all over the world. Like, we do. Don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Right, right. Happy Boxing Day. I don't know. Uh, we got another email. Okay. This is from George Kimona. What's up, George? With the subject line of Shakespeare. Ah. Gents and missionaries, mm-hmm. enjoying this month's theme, missed the last few live shows, but have been able to catch them the next day at work, which becomes a chore as I'm constantly being interrupted by people with work. Mm. Unlike them, I will keep it short and recommending a top five Shakespeare moments or lines in Star Trek. This is, this is from George Carmona. Sure, sure. Number five. Oh, he oh he has them. Yes. Okay, let's hear him. Number five from Star Trek: The Next Generation, the episode "The Defector" on the holodeck. Data performs in Shakespeare's play Henry V with the intention of learning the "quote unquote" human condition. Captain Picard watches while standing nearby and applauds him that he is getting better and better with his performance. Side note: One of the holodeck characters is Stewart in heavy makeup. Very nice. Number four. Number four. Star Trek The Next Generation, Hyde and Q. Mm. Picard and Q use Hamlet to argue about humanity ultimately ending with Picard. What a piece of work is man. How noble in reason. How infinite in faculty, in form, in moving. How express and admirable. In action, how like an angel. In apprehension, how like a god. Okay, all right. Number three. Number three. From Star Trek, Mm -hmm. Conscience of the King. Mm. In another Hamlet production, Kirk's Enterprise hosted the Cardinian Company of Players, a traveling Shakespearean acting troupe in the hopes of uncovering a killer. Okay. All right. Number two. Number two. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. Improbable cause slash die is cast. Had to cheat on this one as this two-parter starts with Dr. Bashir and Garrick discussing the failings of Caesar in the play. Towards the end of the second part, Garrick paraphrases a portion of Julius Caesar to his boss slash daddy, Tane. I'm afraid the fault, dear Tane, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. Okay. 
And number one, number one Shakespeare moment or line from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. From Star Trek, The Undiscovered Country. Yeah, of course. Starting with its title, mm-hmm. the movie That's is right. filled with references and quotes from the bard. As any good Klingon will tell you, Shakespeare could only truly be experienced That's in right. the original it's, Klingon. It's original Klingon. That's right. And this movie borrows from Hamlet, Julius mm-hmm. Caesar, King Henry the Fourth, Part Two, King Henry the Fifth, The Merchant of Venice, Richard the Second, Romeo and Juliet, and The Tempest. Cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. Very nice. General Chang. Yeah. yeah. As always, keep up the good work. And now, once more, onto the breach, dear friends, George Kimono. Oh, George, that was so sophisticated and cultured. I know. We are not sure if we're worthy. (laughs) I was about to say. That would count as an educational episode of a cartoon in the 80s. I know. Uh, we got another email. Okay. This one is from Ellis Heron. What's up, Ellis? Hey, fellas. I have to say thanks for enlightening me on Deliver Us from Eva. Okay. I had no idea it was an adaptation of The Taming of the Shrew. Neither did I, Ellis. The only modern take on it that I knew about was 10 Things I Hate About You. Sure. I do agree that the chemistry between LL Cool J and Gabrielle Union left much to be desired. However, in comparison... Do you believe the chemistry between Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles in 10 Things was much better? I hate to say it, but I think it was. Speaking of Julia Stiles, Mm -hmm. while I was listening to your last show, I intended on asking if you would review O at some point. Mm -hmm. To my surprise, you actually announced that it was the next movie. There you go. When this movie came out, I started wondering about Julia Stiles. She starred in two movies that are modern takes of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And then she was in two movies where her romantic interests were black men. Yeah, that's this right. This movie and Save the Last Dance. That's right. Hmm. I wonder. Your boy, Ellis Heron from Fort Worth. P.S. Understandably, Megan Good being in Deliver Us from Evil wasn't talked about much, but... I have to admit that I was a little disappointed since the way I feel about her is the same way Len feels about Nia Long. <laughs> oh, that's, that's interesting. We well, you know there's somebody for everybody. There you go. All right, Ellis. Thank you for your email, my friend. Yes. And we have one more email, Vincent. And this is from Cora. Hey, Cora. Hi, Len and Vince. This is Cora. Great show and great insights on these black films that never get talked about in mainstream culture and media. Thank you. Also, Len, I'm going to need you to stop all the last dragon hate. You got to rewatch it every year. It's a fun movie. (laughs) No, I really don't. Um, But what I did do earlier today was I did do my yearly rewatch of a better Kung Fu movie Enter the Dragon. And boy, once again, I fell in love with that movie all over. Mm. But for the first time, I noticed something in this movie. What's that? John Saxon, who was yes. cast in the, as the co-lead for Bruce Lee because they felt like he needed an American actor to yeah. mm-hmm. in, the, in the co-lead. How they, they landed on John Saxon, I'll never know. I like him. He's okay. He's got charisma. He's John Saxon. Dude, for someone who has to stand next to Bruce Lee and enter the he dragon doesn't, he doesn't for shrink. two hours. You're right? Very true. Very yeah. true. 
So, so I'll, I'll give him that. But what I will also give John Saxon mm-hmm. is that in as limited as his kung fu or whatever he's doing. <laughs> right, right. Because does he actually say, I know kung fu? Or does he just say, like, I'm, I'm here for, for, the, for the tournament? He basically just says, I'm here for right, the I'm tournament. Right, I'm here for the tournament. Right. Right. But what, but he does, it, it's called upon the fight. Right, right, right. And it is totally not believable that he not only defeats, but kills Bolo. Right. That makes no sense. Yeah. However. Introduce him to his friends, Jack Johnson and Tom O'Leary. He is actually better in whatever brand of fighting he's doing. Right. Than Jim Kelly is. In whatever brand of fighting, so this just he's your, doing this year two for this just year two for you got to stab up, um, Ty Mock and Jim Kelly. I didn't stab. I am t- convinced a karate man, a black karate man, stole your lunch in 1979. <laughs> no. You just you 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 found a way to talk about both Jim Kelly and Ty Mock. I just take noticed, shots at both of them. I just noticed that today. You in, just noticed that today. in my rewatch of Enter right. the Dragon. Right. I, I haven't talked about Time Mac all day. Right, right, right. And I won't do it right now. All right. Cora continues. Cora continues. I have a top five for you and Vince to answer. Okay. If ooh, this is interesting. Okay. If you could delete mm-hmm. five films from the filmographies of Eddie Murphy. Denzel Washington, Will Smith, Jamie Foxx, and Morgan Freeman. What would those films be and why? Happy Thanksgiving Wait, to you five both. For each of them? Well, she names. We only got an hour for the Well, she names five stars. So let's do one, one each. One each. Okay. So if you could delete a film from Eddie Murphy's filmography. So basically, Eddie Murphy is easy. <laughs> you can throw a dart and hit one for Eddie Murphy. True, but the one that he, I think he and everybody would d- delete. And now I'm drawing the blank on the movie because it's literally a million of them. No, but not literally. No, a if I name this one, but you're going to say like this is the 15. one. No, it's this is the is one. Is it Holy Man? No, it's not. Is Holy it a Thousand man. Words? No. Is it The Golden Child? No. Is it um, Metro? No. Is it uh uh? Is it um? What's this stupid movie? Um, I'm, I'm gonna look it up. You keep you keep is, going. Is it Pluto? You'll never you'll never you'll never name it. it, it right, because it's a, mon- a million of them. Now, d- don't get me wrong. You've named some that are that are very right. very close to it, like Holy Man. I and- would say Meet Dave, but that's so bizarre. Meet Dave is very bizarre. I kind of want to keep that one around. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not it. The one that I think that he would drop out. And wow, wow, Wikipedia doesn't even list it. And it is definitely his movie. What's the movie that he did with basically he is a cameo in it, but they dug them up with Dudley Moore? Oh, um, it's something action, isn't it? It's, no, I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, that that would be yeah. the one. That would be the the movie yeah. that I best defense. Best defense. I mean, best sure. Defense. Yeah. I mean, Okay, so let's take Best Defense off the table. Everything we just said is a worse movie than Best Defense. No, Best Defense is really good. Everything we just said is worse than Best Defense. Have you seen Best Defense? Yes, I have. 
This is really I've bad. seen every movie I just listed. Yeah, but sure. Yeah, so Eddie Murphy's easy. All right. Who's next? All right, so that, that's Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, next would be Denzel Washington. <sighs> I mean, w- would you go for critical condition? Well, I, I where think he's critical condition is funny. Yeah, okay, but I mean, Denzel doesn't have a lot of clunkers. Right. I don't like the, um. what is it, the bone collector? Is that the one where he's in bed the whole time? Yeah. I don't like the bone collector because I feel like I, I feel like it is just it, it just doesn't utilize Denzel that well. Okay, all right, I can see that. It's, it's got a bit of a um, rear rear window right. type of vibe, and I don't know if that's using him at his strongest. Right. Um, I can land on a bone collector. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Bone Collector. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Smith. Um, seven pounds. I wouldn't do seven pounds. I would do After Earth. After Earth, once again, is so bizarre. And it makes me chuckle how he tricked everybody into going to see that terrible movie. So, so you wanted to stay on there yeah. so that everybody can... I deeply, deeply dislike... <laughs> that vein of Oscar Beatty movies that he was making all the way up until King Richard. Like I deeply dislike those films or bagger Vance, like seven pounds, bagger Vance, seven pounds, bagger Vance, bagger Vance. You know, sometimes I like to hate watch something cause it like cleans out the pipes. Mm-hmm. Like I like a good, pure, hot hate. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you self clean an oven and you turn the heat all the way, like, like, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm still with seven pounds. I would pick seven pounds. I didn't, I didn't mind seven. Yeah. But you, you're after earth. I would do after earth. Okay. All right. Uh, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx is another interesting. Cause I think Jamie Foxx, even the movies I don't like tend to be kind of interesting. And, or he's, yeah, and, or he's good. He's not the worst thing of, of it. The best compliment that I could give Jamie Foxx is the one that immediately comes to mind is Booty Call. I was going to say Booty Call, but, but it's, it's so it's it, silly. And it's so early. Yeah, you like want to give him the pass that's something I want to get rid of is something that you did super early. But besides that, I can't really think of a Jamie Foxx film that I'm like. Yeah, because I, I immediately went to Booty Call. Yeah. And there's nothing else that I could think of to. Well, no. But he's not even a star. I guess maybe it's just that the movie didn't 100% land with me, and that was Annie. Um, <laughs> Leave Black Annie alone. It, it, it's Vince, not a, it's I think not the a... title of the film is just Annie. I know I said that, Black Annie. Send your letters to Vincent Williams. The baby couldn't read. It was terrible. Get Black Annie like that. Okay. Um, and then Morgan Freeman. I'm seeing Deborah Battle has made a suggestion in the chat. What? Driving Miss Davis. Oh, no, 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 no. We got, oh, no. We got you, to keep that. You got to keep driving. You got to wear that like the albatross around your neck. Like, like, like you're in Moby Dick. Like that's, that's, <laughs> you got to wear that forever. 
Again, I just talked about the pure, clean hate. Mm-hmm. I feel like he was always making them. Is it my imagination or after seven, after the film seven, and he'd make like three or four of them movies where he was like the old wise black detective. Well, then like he does. A pork pie hat. He does kiss, kiss of the spider woman. I don't need none of them. You can pick. I don't need. I mean, none but of that's them. one. Okay, well, right. you got to pick one. Oh, oh, all right. So, was what else? Where it's like, I've been a detective since 1984. <laughs> you stupid. I've been wearing this overcoat and this pork pie hat. You are so stupid. You are so wrong. I have a 35 year old white partner who has a wife and a young child at home, and now the two of us are solving crimes, and I'm just a calm, steady presence. Um, the one that I would get take off his filmography, I'm looking at it now, is because he was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. The Kevin Costner Robin Hood. You don't like Hood? Robin Hood? I don't like that Robin Hood. I like oh, Robin Hood. I like that movie. It's all right. Mm. I, w- I wouldn't take that off. I would. Oh, no. Not I mean, a- it's, it, even if I don't like that movie. But looking at his filmography, he's been in a lot of stuff worse than that. Well, I'm not saying it's worse. You were were going to tell me about the movies with him as 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 the older detective. (laughs) Why are you doing that? With a pork pie hat. Why you Why are you doing a man like that, man? In all my years of being a detective in this Midwest city, I've never seen fill in the blank occur with such deliberation and violence. He did. Uh, he did kiss the girls. He only really did kiss the girls. That's that's really the only one after that. Um, because then around then he does Deep Impact. Um, I guess he's a. I think he's a detective. Maybe you're right. In Hard Rain. <laughs> oh, you're right. Because it now because Kiss the Girls was the first one. Because that's when he's Alice Cross. And then he does Along Came a Spider, which is the sequel. Um. Sort of, sort of wanders around, and so, then he did something called Under Suspicion. Yeah, throw a dart and hit any of those. I don't need any of those. And then he did High Crimes. Right, you throw a dart. He did do a few of them. Throw a that. dart, hit any of those. I, I still would take Robin Hood off. Right, and he has like one of those um real white screenwriter black people names, Elias Solomon Cole Hunter, Detective Homicide. All right, well that's that's uh that's our five. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. That's a good question. Very good question, Corey. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 1963, America's Georgia, 15 black girls joined a protest. One for the matinee, please. Negroes, even you little ones, get your tickets in the back. We just want tickets to see the show. Then you stay right there, little girl. Here comes a whole mess of tickets for each and every one of you. No, 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 no. For 45 days, the girls went missing without a trace. We searched all over and no signs of the girls. Now is the time to get organized. Right, Lorena? We ain't got no more time to waste. It's now or never, y'all. Pops is closing in. He's aiming at us. Carol, what should we do? Based on a true story, Push Black presents The Stolen Girls of Americus. Listen and follow on the Odyssey app 
or wherever you find your podcast. Top five. Who's your top five? Top five, ladies and gentlemen, where I have a list and I give it to Vincent and he has commentary on it. And this one is going to be straight to the point, Vincent. Okay. Um, Because we are celebrating in November, ladies and gentlemen, the Bards of November, Mm -hmm. adaptations of William Shakespeare, who it is, should go without saying, is the playwright who has had the most plays adapted into film sure absolutely because of all of his plays have been adapted into multiple f- films yes, absolutely you know mm-hmm. but what we have here are the top five unshakespeare playwrights okay or not shakespeare playwrights okay these are the other playwrights who have had multiple films Adapted Ooh. in place. Let me see. I'm a guess in my head. Are you, are you just guessing names? Or my, guessing order? I'm guessing names in my head. Okay. This is just between me and me. Give me like three seconds. One. All right, because I know two of them, I bet. Okay, go ahead. Starting with number five. Okay. This one has, so let's see if you can, I'm going to give you the number. And see if you can guess who the name is. That's that sound. No, no, because I only have two. Like I only have two that I can guess. So okay, all, all right. right. I couldn't come up with any with any other ones. No, one, two, three, four. Yeah, four. Uh, oh wait. Okay, I can. All right, I have three in my head. All right, all right go ahead. so the number five mm-hmm. with four. Okay, yeah, uh, four. Um, plays that have been adapted into into plays is do you want the plays or you want the names first? Let's do the plays. Okay, the plays. W- um, one movie adapted to plays. Okay, from 1956, Baby Doll mm-hmm. adapted 1946 stage production of 27 Wagons Full of Cotton. And the 1946 uh, stage play, The Longest Stay Cut Short. Mm. They were both adapted into the film Baby Doll. Mm -hmm. In 1963, there was an adaptation of The Milk Train Doesn't Stop Here Anymore. Mm. In 1958, Mm -hmm. this will give it away, was Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Yeah. And in 1951... A Streetcar Named, Named Desire. Desire. Right. Four films for Tennessee, Tennessee Williams. Williams. The Glass Menagerie has never been filmed? Not that I, for my listing. Wow, that is crazy. I did not find a, a listing for it. Okay. All right. I knew Tennessee Williams would be on the list, though. Yeah, I figured he would be on the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured we'd be on love the list. Love Tennessee Williams. Number well, four. I love the two or three plays right now. I didn't even know what to talking about the other plates. <laughs> so the ones you know are Cat in the Hutton Roof. Okay, maybe I don't love Tennessee Williams. <laughs> maybe I just love the Glass Menagerie and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and Streetcar Named Desire. I love three plays by Tennessee Williams. You know, now you think about it, that is surprising that the Glass Menagerie hasn't been right. accepted. Because it seems like it would be super easy to make. 
Maybe, yeah. maybe I missed it. I don't. All I didn't right. think I missed it. I, I was pretty pretty good. Uh, number four, okay. Also with four plays that have been adapted into films, okay. Um, starting with in 1945, Brief Encounter, the movie Brief Encounter was adapted from his his 1936 play Still Life. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. You said still life like that was, you know. Still life. In 1926. Okay. <laughs> there was a movie adapted from his play. The Queen was in the parlor. Sure, sure. Now understand, Negroes weren't allowed to see these plays. 1930. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was, a t- it was an adaptation of the play Private Lives. Uh-huh. And in 1945, mm-hmm. this is probably the one he's m- most po- known for. Okay. Blythe Spirit. Okay. I'm, I'm not familiar. You're not familiar. I'm not. Noel Coward. Noel Coward, a name I've always heard, but never really know anything about him. I know, I know Blythe Spirit. I've seen that. That's okay. actually been adapted a couple of times in, okay. in movies and always um, reproduced on, on stage. Okay. Noel Coward. Very nice. All right, now we're at number three. Right, right. And I still have two that you haven't named, so maybe I'm wrong. Go ahead. And number three had seven. Okay. Seven plays mm-hmm. that have been adapted into films. Okay. And you know every one of these. Okay. I, right, I bet I know who this is. Starting, uh, starting in 2005 with Diary of a Mad Black Woman. I was not thinking of Tyler Perry at all. <laughs> but I guess he's a playwright. Did you watch his documentary? Did you watch Maxine's son? No, I haven't. It is really, really good. Like all jokes aside, like all, like, like enough for me, I'm stopping the top five. I see this. It's really good. Like, like it really. I mean, it's it's very much a Tyler Perry. Like he, he's very much moved into that period where he's setting up his legacy now. Because then he produce it. I don't know if he produces it or not, but it very much has that celebratory part of it. But a, it deals with the criticism way more than you would think something that he was involved with would deal with it. Okay. B. You know, maybe I'm just being biased right now because he really does a good job articulating, frankly, the argument that I've been making for the past four or five years about his importance based on what he means to his black audience. Mm -hmm. So it's it's I recommend it. Okay, but go ahead. Name. How did you feel about Tyler Perry coming out of it? The uh, the same feelings, but deepened. Deepened deepened so still not a fan of his film a a not a fan of his film still not a fan of his work b comfortable with the fact that i am neither his target audience nor is it anything personal Mm -hmm. that he's not making stuff for me Mm -hmm. and i don't want to watch what you make Mm -hmm. c once again Look, man, if, 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 look, if, if you love black people, you got like, like I love black people and, and I love black people 
even stuff that we as a community have decided that we embrace and like that, you know, sort of like, you know, collard greens and, 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 and gang star mm-hmm. and, and, and generally Jay-Z and, and Martin, even the first couple of seasons, like as a group, we got together and said, this stuff we love. And Vince said, eh, not really my thing. Mm-hmm. But since we all just, I love it to y'all. Lawn dancing, like like you know, black black people, we we voted, we love it. And I said, eh, you know, it's not really my thing, but you know, I love us, so I go along with it. Everything I just named, Tyler Perry to the nth degree. Okay, there was a dude on there, and and we've been talking about this in my house all, since we watched it. I thought it was so powerful. Where where you, you know, pretty well, you know, educated dude, this and others. Uh, took his mother to plays, would take his mother to Broadway and took his mother all these fine shows and, and this and the other. And then she, you know, she says, all right. But she said she really wanted to go see these Medea plays. Mm-hmm. And she said that she felt safe when she was in the audience in the world with Tyler Perry. And I, I and I, that has stuck with me because you hear people say, I feel seen. Mm hmm. But she said, I feel safe. Yeah. And with her people. With her people and with Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. So, damn, how can I not love him? Like, how can I not love somebody that makes old black ladies feel safe? So, but go ahead. You, you said how many of his films? Seven. So, you, so you, I just ate up all his time. So, Medea make a pot of greens. Medea does the Cupid Diary Shuffle. of a Mad Black Medea, Woman. Medea's family reunion. Medea does, Why did I get married? No, Medea Meet the Browns. Yeah, she does Double Dutch. Medea goes to jail. Right, Medea, Medea's big family. Right, right. Medea eats family. some chitlins. And Medea. your favorite, Temptation, Confessions of a Marriage Council. Right, right. All of those were adapted from Absolutely. And in, in, in the time that we've talked about it, he's made two more movies. All adapted from All stage adapted plays. from his stage plays. And soon will be worked into TV. Worked into TV. BET Plus. Yeah, yeah. That was number three. I see in the chat, Deborah Battle actually points out that The Glass Menagerie was, in fact, a movie in 1950. But that would move Tennessee Williams' number up to number, he would actually be a, above Noel Coward. Okay. So he would be number four. All Noel right. Coward would be number five. Of The Glass Menagerie. All right. Number two. Number two. Um, number two. <laughs> so the, another one. Another one from from the days before Negroes <laughs> could see films. We have from 1933. Ah, wilderness. <laughs> um. 1921, Anna Christie. <laughs> 1920, <laughs> The Emperor Jones. Okay, all right. Mm, which all is right. a tragic play. Yeah, oh yeah. About Brutus Jones, a yeah. resourceful African American yeah. and former Pullman Porter. So right, right. there's that. Yeah, all yeah. right. For you, you know. We reviewed Emperor Jones. We did. Yeah. Mm. Uh, 1946, The Iceman Cometh. Yeah. 1956, Long Day's Journey into Night. Yeah. 1931, Morning Becomes Electra. Did not know they made all these plays of, was it Eugene O'Neill? Eugene O'Neill. Yeah. And then 1928, Strange Interlude. Okay. Eugene O'Neill. 
All right. There you go. Long Day's Journey in the Night was my joint. Yeah. When I was like a freshman. <laughs> All right. So that is, that was number two. All right. So have we named your two yet? You did not. I, I thought August Wilson would show up, but since it's only one slot left, I would assume that number one's going to be Neil Simon. It is, in fact, Neil yeah. Simon. Mm-hmm. Number one. See, in August Wilson, a lot of his, his works hasn't been sure. adapted sure. in the movies. That, sure. That's the reason why sure, right. Denzel need, wants yeah. to do that. Yeah. Uh, but number one, you're right, is is uh, Neil Simon. Sure, of course. Uh, who did Barefoot in the Park. Great. Biloxi Blues. Great. Brighton Beach Memoirs. Great. California Suite. Great. Chapter Two. Don't know Chapter Two. Come Below Your Horn. Don't know Come Below Your Horn. Lost in Yonkers. Great. The Odd Couple. Oh, my God. Plaza Suite. Don't know Plaza Suite. Oh, you don't know Plaza, Plaza I don't Suite? don't know Plaza Suite. Plaza Suite is, is, is excellent. Okay. Um, at least the movie. I never saw the play. Mm-hmm. The Prisoner of Second Avenue. Don't, which, not, not familiar. Fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. And The Sunshine Boys. Great. I'm familiar with all of these except Lost in Yonkers in Chapter 2. Oh, Lost in Yonkers is great. I mean, Neil Simon, man. Neil Simon. I mean, no, I love I love Neil Simon. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the Odd Couple, the oh, yeah. Plaza Suite, uh, California Suite. I can take. I it like leave California it. Suite. It's fun. Yeah, barefoot in the barefoot yeah. in the park. Barefoot, yeah. Biloxi Blues. Biloxi Blues is fantastic. There you go. So, and you know, I must like Neil because you you know I don't do World War II white boys. I know, that's but Biloxi I do Blues. like Biloxi Blues. Biloxi yeah. Blues. There you yeah. Go. So, um, there you go. Plays. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So that's our top five. Yeah. All right. I don't want to put down the phone. We still got one more segment. Yeah. And that would be Six Degrees All of right. Derville Martin. All right. Six Degrees of Derville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, I give Vincent two actors and he has six films or less to connect them to a man who could rule any stage. (laughs) That would be one Derville Martin of the 70s. A one man odd couple. He could play both of them. Good. All right, Vincent, are you ready? I am. Uh, keeping this a, a little bit in theme, these are authors who are also actors. Authors who are also are actors. actors who have become su- relatively successful authors. Actors who have become relatively. Uh, speaking of documentaries, this mm-hmm. person is a star of a new documentary on HBO that I have not seen yet. I look okay. forward to ch- sitting down with. Um, in six movies or less, connect Derville Martin to. Derville Martin to. Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks. So Albert Brooks, when I think about him in movies, it's my movie where he goes to heaven. Defending your life. Defending your life. Who's he in defending your life with? You know, you know, you're really you're becoming very bad at this game. You just ask me questions. I mean, Albert Brooks is <laughs> Yeah, no, it's like, it's the last time I saw someone with Albert Brooks. It's, Apparently, the last time you saw that movie. It's a little random. Is Albert he, Brooks is a little random. It's a little. Perhaps. Oh, is he still alive? 
Yes, he's still alive. Okay, I'm sorry, Mr. Brooks. I didn't mean to. He's been on television. He's been on. He was on. Um, what was the show? I, was it Barry that he was on? For, you, know, you know what? Um, I've never seen Barry. I still haven't watched Barry. I, me neither. I think I've watched like one episode. And it was okay. But yeah. I think it was on Barry. Yeah, Albert Brooks is. But he's in Defending Your Life with Meryl Streep. Albert Brooks. Hold on, it's like a good 70s. He's a good 70s dude. What is he in that I really like him? Oh, he well defending your life, and then there's another movie that I love. Is that him in Holy Moses? Me no, no, that's uh, what's his name? Yeah, I don't think he's in Holy Moses. I'm looking him up, but I don't think he's in Holy Moses. Is he in like a tunic? A tunic? <laughs> a tunic? I don't know about him in a tunic. I mean, I gave you a big clue. I mean, I gave you a name. I mean, no, 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 you did, you did, but even that. No, he's not in holy mode. <coughs> he is. He does play somebody's dad, famously, in a in a famous movie, like fairly recent. Fairly recently. Well, yeah, fairly recently. Seth, what? Mm. Let's move it a Whose dad does he play? He plays Nemo's dad. Oh my god, he's in Finding Nemo. He's the star. He's the star of Finding Nemo. Can't think anything. <laughs> no, I mean, look, even that, who's that? like Ellen DeGeneres and. Mm-hmm. Who's the fish with the scar face? Oh. It's a bit of a blank right now. So Meryl Streep. Yeah, come on. Meryl. Is that also her? Who's, who's the female lead in like Kramer versus Kramer? That is Meryl Streep. That is Meryl Streep. So now we got Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman. I did not think this was going to be that hard. No, 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 Especially once no. you get in Meryl Streep. I, I know, you know, when I, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, all right, fine. All right, so look. Um, Derville Martin is in, is, okay, all right, all right Derville Martin is oh boy, that's not it's a really convoluted way. <coughs> What's the last thing Albert Brooks was in? Um, I am I'm brain, I am having you having a brain fart I on Merle Streep. Well, with Albert Brooks, and then the rest of it is just sort of but all you gotta do is connect Merle Streep, yeah. And you can't connect Merle Streep, I cannot right now. But in everything, I Vincent. know, and yet here we are. Oh my God! So, so you want to go away from Meryl Streep? I'm Street. going away from Meryl Streep. What's the last movie he that was Albert in? Brooks was the in. Secret Life of Pets. Hey, isn't like Kevin Hart in that? Yes, that's Kevin Hart, right? Yes. You're gonna have trouble with Kevin oh, Hart. Now. now we've got the blacks involved. <laughs> 
All right, sure. So Durville Martin is in Durville Martin, and I get to Kevin. All right, I know. I know this. Are your boots on too tight? I like, know, what is happening right? here? I know. Okay, so Durville Martin is in five on a black hand side with Dick Anthony Williams, who's in who's who's in Mo Better Blues with Samuel Jackson, who's in the Avengers Endgame mishmash with Paul Rudd, who's in Forty Year Old Virgin with Kevin Hart, who's in The Secret Life of Pests with Albert Brock. Very good. Yeah, I know. Wow. I know. <laughs> wow. You are ready for Thanksgiving. I am tired. <laughs> I am tired. I am tired. All right. Well, this next one will be easy. For okay. Me, right. Well, hopefully. In six films or less, yes. connect Durville Martin to Steve Martin. Oh, Steve Martin. Okay. Well, Steve Martin. Steve Martin is actually super easy. Yes. Because Durville Martin is once again. In five on the black hand side with Dick Anthony Williams, and I believe Dick Anthony Williams is in the jerk with Steve Martin. Very good. All right, here you go. I gave you. A- you gave me a Steve Martin. You, you know Dick Anthony Williams was in jerk though. No, I did not. Yeah, I know. Did you check? No. <laughs> <laughs> no check. All right. I'm pretty sure he's in the jerk. All right, we'll check. We'll check because I feel like I had that in my back pocket. Because I thought Steve Martin might come up. When did you think that might come up? For as long as we've been doing this. It's like, who might pop up? Okay. The Jerk. The cast. In The Jerk. Of Dick Anthony Williams. Yeah. Taj. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that film in forever. I love The Jerk. I remember loving it. Yeah. On in the movies. Yeah. That was 1979. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I thought it was earlier. Yeah. Yeah. No. I think that may be how I really discovered Steve Martin. Like, I had vague memories of him on Saturday Night Live. Oh, really? But the jerk was my one. I forget. I got a couple of years on you because I actually do remember him on Saturday Night Live. I actually remember him on The Tonight Show. Oh my God, no. <laughs> and then I remember him on Saturday Night Live doing King Tut. Right, right. And it was like, it was. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. It was over after that, man. So, yeah. All right. Very good, Vincent. Um, you were talking about a documentary recommending the mm-hmm. Tyler Perry documentary. Um, where is that? Where could people see that? Maybe Prime? On Prime? Yeah. Amazon Prime. Uh, I want to recommend a documentary that just recently uh, debuted on Netflix. Okay. Called Stamped from the Beginning. Yeah. It's a documentary that chronicles the story of anti-Black racist ideas and their staggering power over the course of American history. Um, It's based, and it's a a documentary that's like uh, by director Roger Roger Ross Williams adapted from the book by Ibram Kendi mm-hmm. uh, of the same name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I watched that documentary last night. Um, and it's a very powerful documentary. 
Okay. Very powerful, uh, extremely well done. Um, and you know, you've you've heard everything about the 1619 project. Mm-hmm. This ain't this this like 1619 got ain't got nothing on this because this this documentary starts back in 1444. This goes this goes back to the root of the tuta. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it breaks down like the whole creation of this idea of blackness. Um, and why black people became the face of slavery when slaves were originally were not black. Right. They were Slavic. Right. You know, thus the name slave. Right. You know, um, so it breaks it, it. It really breaks down the history. Um, and what I really appreciate about this documentary is that as powerful as it is, it still finds time at the end to leave you with a feeling uh, uh, uh an aspirational feel okay uh as to what the world an anti-racist world could be okay. or should be very nice um so it's a really powerful documentary i i you know recommend that each and every one of you out there uh see stamped from the beginning a uh, new documentary on netflix excellent it's like a good documentary yeah, it's really cool. There's a lot of great talking heads in there. Angela Davis, uh, Lene Vinay, Kelly Carter Jackson. Tons of great uh, okay. uh, talking heads. It was, it was really dope. It was, and, it was, and it was the type of um, documentary that you like because it sparks conversation. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. It was a good time last night. If you can believe that. All right, so now. All right. I guess it, it's now time for us to get into our Go review. time. Go time. All right. It's go time. Because it's oh, oh. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. you were gonna make it oh come on now you know i can't beat magnolia tomorrow and i'll see my good luck charm first his name is odin james but everyone calls him O. a star player in love with the most popular girl in school this year's unanimous choice for most valuable player mr odin james i love you love you too but nothing comes between two people's passion. I love him like my own son. Like one person's jealousy. He's all alone here. And where's family? Sure, Pop. I rebound and shoot. I play guard, forward, power forward. You name the position I play. Maybe we could pretend for a while, you know? That is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. The plan I've come up with is flawless. We're gonna break him up. You trust me? What's up, man? Why are you tripping? Watch your girl, bro. I mean, she and Mike spend an awful lot of time together. You never used to go out with Mike or anything like that, right? Michael? He's like my best friend. But I thought I was your best friend. Somebody say something to you? Watch her. They're not just gonna come clean. Look, is she, do you know me or not? I don't know if it's true or not, but Mike told me that him and Desi were together last night. I don't know what else. <laughs> you never give out no love behind my back now, would you? What? You're the only person I've ever been with. And if you want to be with me, don't ever talk to me like that again, ever. 
What is going on with Odin? I'll be all right, Duke. I'll be better than all right, son. I still got If he comes at me again, I swear I'll kill him. I'm sorry. Desi was going behind my back. I could deal with that. But all this wondering you got me going through? Me? Yeah, you. Why don't you just forget about her, man? I love that girl. Well, I got played. What are you talking about? Stop it, man. Yo, it's in my head up. Now somebody here knows the truth. Somebody needs to tell the truth. From here on out, I say nothing. I still got you. Oh, from 2001. Moving the classic tale of Othello onto the basketball courts of a high school, the story focuses on a young black man named Odin James, who's convinced by a conniving best friend, Hugo, that his girlfriend, Desi, is cheating on him. Of course, what Odin doesn't know is that Hugo is, in fact, motivated by his own jealousy of Odin's good fortune. Obviously adapted from the play Othello by William Shakespeare. The screenplay was written by Brad Kea, directed by Tim Blake Nelson, released in 2001 after being delayed, and we'll talk about that. And this was the choice of Lynn Webb here on the third week of (coughs) The Bards of November. Mm -hmm. Lynn, how would you like to begin our conversation of, oh, wait, Julie Stiles, Mackay Pfeiffer, Josh Hartnett, Andrew Keegan, and Martin Sheen and make Martin up Sheen. the cast. Yes, make up the cast of O, um, which is a it very much is a beat for beat adaptation of mm-hmm. Othello, but put into like the yeah. the world of um, high school. High school drama, mm-hmm. prep school drama. Um, I think that that it, it it as an adaptation of the story, they make you know some changes that you make sense. It's not Desdemona, it's Desi. Yeah, it's not Othello, it's Odin. Which <laughs> some may argue is like, yeah, we could have went with Othello there. You know what I mean? Um, the screenwriter is black, but it very much sounds like his name is Odin James. Yeah, Odin James. <laughs> Odin James. That just don't even, and I don't even feel right saying right. my son Odin James. Right, right. Um, and then the, there's no Iago. Mm-mm. There's Hugo. Right. Played by Josh Hartnett. And it very much is a beat for beat um, uh, uh, adaptation of Othello. But as I'm watching this, watching this film, you know, I think it's smart to to reimagine Othello in a high school setting. Mm-hmm. It's easy to say that something like uh, if you're looking at other works of William Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet, of course, and putting that in high school because it's about kids, of course. But I think it, it's smart to do something of uh, uh, the story of Othello and put it in in a high school setting because as much as we, for the most part, enjoy the actual adaptation of Othello that we Mm -hmm. reviewed a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that we pointed out, or one of the things I know that I certainly pointed out is that I had to take my brain off a little bit to believe that Othello would fall for some of the machinations of Iago. Mm -hmm. 
However, that type of twisting of the knife, you know, planting seeds and ears and stuff like that, it plays in a high school setting mm. because that's what high school is. High school is all about the melodrama mm-hmm. and falling victim to it, mm-hmm. right? So that's why it adapting this in this world absolutely makes sense. And you can actually make sense of it with Othello being a, the lone black student Mm -hmm. in this all white prep school, because that is a, uh, um, a life that we know exists. It's real. That that's, that's right there. So, it made sense to do this. You and the, for the most part, they've cast very well. Mackay Pfeiffer in this film was like you mentioned was filmed in 1999. Mackay Pfeiffer in 1999, still kind of young in his career, right? But but has already done solid work. Oh yeah, I mean he's coming off a of Soul Food where he does great work. Yeah. In, in that right. So, Bakai Pfeiffer is a, is an actor who can, you know, like light up a screen with his intensity, with his charisma, with his magnetism. And Julia Stiles, I think it is fair to say that from the moment she hits the screen, has proven herself to be a, a an actually exceptional actress. Yeah, yeah. Um, who just becomes a role. Right. Uh, and she becomes Desi for, for, for all that this film asks of Desi. Right. Because the story of Othello is really about the guys moving around Desi and Desi just being this this pawn in, the, in this in this situation. But it really is about Othello, Iago and the other two chess pieces that Iago is moving around. Mm-hmm. Um, and you falling for all of that. And again, in a high school setting, it absolutely makes, makes sense. But one thing does this, this film a little bit of a disservice for me Mm -hmm. is that it's not only is it coming two weeks after watching Othello, Mm -hmm. it's coming two weeks after one watching Othello two having you who loves Othello and Shakespeare mm-hmm. pointing out that the play is Othello, but it's all about Iago mm-hmm. and having watched Kenneth Branagh play Iago. Mm-hmm. Like to me, who else is going to be Iago? Right. Right, like I can't see anybody else being Iago after seeing Kenneth Branagh being Iago. Fast forward to Josh Hartnett, mm-hmm. who in, has the thankless, thankless role of being Hugo in this film. Josh Hartnett, an actor that I like well enough, mm-hmm. but I think he is a little one note in his performance of Iago. So I don't, I don't feel the machinations. I don't, I don't feel the cunning that, mm. that Kenneth Branagh brought to the, 
brought to the role. I don't see that in um, in Josh Hartnett's Hugo. But again, that makes sense because this is a high school student. How how deeply duplicitous is he supposed to be? Right. You know, he's not supposed to be, but so well thought out. Um, so when I give the pass for that, and then just lock in, it's like okay, I'm basically watching this high school this high school drama mm-hmm. melodrama playing out. I buy into the movie. I buy into the acting. I buy into the machinations. I know the story. I know the story beats. Some of them don't make any sense, but it's high school. This this is what happens. Right. right. Um, so I find myself, you know, like um, enjoying the film enough, but then it takes the turn because it's all about like just playing with people's emotions and hearts. Yeah. Oh yeah. But then it takes the turn like the story and it goes to murder. Yes. And when it takes that turn here, I can, I can see, I, I understand how easily High, the high school students make this leap because we can't say that you know we can't you can't say that it's not realistic that kids would make this leap because we have the evidence and the evidence is on the screen the evidence of that is the reason why this movie there it is was yeah. produced in 1999 mm-hmm. it's not released till 2001 because they have to hold it back because of um the 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 massacre yeah that that happened at a high school at Columbine in Columbine yeah that's right um so it it's a re and and it gets real yeah oh it yeah it gets real and when this makes that turn it feels I I I can't help it I felt like real like ooh. Oh, oh, like, oh, oh, like, cause it, I mean, it like that. Yeah. I'm like, in one moment, we're just like, you know, messing around. Like, you know, I think he's seeing your lady. And then the next moment it's like, we need to kill her. Yeah. And it's, it, and it's, it's just as simple as that. And, and it's just as easy as that. Not only is her life stuff snuffed out, two other lives are get snuffed out. Then a fourth life gets snuffed out because we all know the the story of of Othello and what becomes this, this tragic tale, especially in the light of two thousand one, becomes this you know um, this cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. Like you know this this. This is the real deal, ladies and gentlemen, and it hits on a wholly different level. This film, it's not the most greatly directed film. Tim Blake Nelson is an actor turned director, and you can see that he leans more into his acting. There are tight close-ups. He gives he, 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 the performances come through, but if not necessarily the direction or any like a um, um, uh great film work or, or scene setting in this. Um, but he knows actors. He gives the actors room to play and they get it over. Martin Sheen is eating up too much. I don't know what he's doing in this movie, in this movie, but it's 1999. He had just got cast in the West wing. He's like, all right, Tim, I'm do you a favor. You got me for a couple of days. And then I got to go 
make make right. this money. So I ain't mad at him. But these three actors, Julia Stiles, Akai Pfeiffer, and Josh Hartnett, even though I may not 100 be feeling Josh Hartnett in comparison to Kenneth Branagh, against these three, he's solid. Makai Pfeiffer, I, I love myself some Makai Pfeiffer. And unlike in the Othello, there is a bit of chemistry between Makai Pfeiffer yeah. and Julia Stiles, and that makes all the difference. Yeah. Because there's not, she's not given much to do. So it really is about how much do, how, do you feel, do they actually feel like they are mm-hmm. a couple or actually invested in each other? And you feel it. If you're listening to the text, does it make sense that in four months they are as strong uh, of a relationship that they're as strong as they are? It does when you're in high school. I was about to say, you, high school. Because that is high school. Yeah. And that's how it goes down. And it, and it, and then there, that's where the authenticity lies. That's where the performances lies. And there, I was, I was down for oh. You know, I, as, as you said, I'm, I'm a fan of this play. And frankly, I'm like, I'm really, really hot or really, really cold mm-hmm. for these sort of um, reinterpretations, reimaginings, of reimaginings the of the yeah. story in the bar. Because you know, for every West Side Story. Mm-hmm. It's like 30 different, you know, we going to do the Tempest, but we going to do it in a barbershop. Yeah. You know, this sort of thing. And I remember watching this film when it came out. Oh, I'm, I'm surprised that you saw it when it came oh, out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I liked it. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked it when it came out. But watching it today and and I'm going to reinforce what you just said about it being kind of beat for beat from the play, I was really impressed with how faithful it was to the play, considering, as you said, where it's set. It has changed Mm -hmm. the whole backdrop. Yeah, I know. To this high school play. Like, Like, they kept hitting the beats from the play, and I was like, wow, I don't, I can't even imagine how they're doing this, but Mm -hmm. Much like you, almost immediately I was struck by how smart it was putting this in this boarding school. Talk before, we talk about Othello, we talk about Desdemona. Everybody gets stuck on the black-white thing. Right. You know, he's black, she's white, they black-white. But in my mind, I, you know, I said you talk about the age thing. Like, like it's, it's also an age difference between them. Which is not a, a a real factor in this. I got the sense right. that I believe Des, uh, Desi is a sophomore. Mm-hmm. I assume she and Michael, who's the Cassio character, right. are the same age. And, and, and Odin is a senior. Right. So he's two years older than her. But in high school, is, that is a significant age difference. Yes. But I also think that part of the difference between these two characters is a matter of culture. Yes. They're from different cultures and different worlds. And I thought that this, and in a lot of ways, Othello is alone in this foreign world. And I thought it was so smart how they played Odin being the good basketball player Mm -hmm. that was recruited. Mm Mm-hmm. 
to this rich Tony school and everybody in the school is rich Mm -hmm. except for Odin, who is black and the Hugo character. Yeah. Who's not rich either. He's just the son of the coach. Right. Right. I love the fact that they really sharpened Hugo's motivations of jealousy that they kind of shift a little bit that what he's really jealous of is the fact that his father, who's the basketball coach dotes on Hugo. I mean, Odin on Odin and Odin kind of is, is, is embraces this younger player, Michael, who's Mm -hmm. a Casio character because he's good at basketball too. Hugo, as he says in this film, is a utility player. Mm-hmm. Like he just kind of holds everything together, which is absolutely an important part of any team, mm-hmm. but doesn't get a lot of the spotlight. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Martin Sheen does great work in this film at all. Not at all. But I like the couple of scenes between his character and Josh Hartnett's Hugo, where you understand this dynamic between father and son and this son really just sort of becoming twisted, you know, because he's not getting the attention he wants from his dad, from, from his dad. And much like you, I don't think Tim Blake Nelson does any great work but my two favorite scenes are the scenes. There's a scene at the dinner table where it's kind of split up. Yes. And you, you never see Hugo in the same frame with, with his, his father. father. And then there's a wonderful scene. I know exactly where you're going. And, and, and where they have dinner together in his, in office. his office. And you never see the father. And you never see the father. You yes. just see Hugo in this chair in the door. Yeah. Yeah. And then you realize the only reason his father has invited him to dinner is to talk about Odin. Yeah. Ask him what's wrong with Odin. So this motivation of, of Josh Hartnett's character, I thought was fantastic. That's interesting because remember when on, on the Othello, the thing that I said, it was not really feeling the motivation. You don't really the have jealousy the motivation. between him and Cassio. Right. Exactly. Um, Josh Hartnett. I thought I really liked him in this because what you kind of view almost is I thought there was something dead inside this person. Like, like there's this real choice. You you know, that like, like I really got the sense that this is a sociopath it's a choice. Yeah. Like, okay. like he's okay. actually a sociopath. I love the sort of ambient racism. That is at the school. Well, that's like, yeah. like, I love the fact that, that, but look, look, in my mind, your Bessiago really puts a mirror up to everyone's prejudices, mm-hmm. everyone's shortcomings. This is an environment that treats Odin like he is just some type of prize buck. Yeah. Yeah. Even, you, you know, the coach never talks about him outside of any context of besides him being a basketball player. Mm-hmm. The Casio character, when when things start going left a little bit, I love the fact that he's racist, too. You know, yeah. he calls him a nigger and, oh, the street comes up out of him. Everybody in this film, 
arguably even Desi. You know, you know, she, you know, she's 16 and and I'm I'm I've haven't really had a lot of sex, but you know, there's this really disturbing scene where, you know, do everything you want to do to me. Take everything and and use my use me the way you want to use me. And it just felt very kind of like she was it was very buckish to mm, me. I, that sounded like it didn't say yeah, I sounded 16 to me. That didn't sound high school. Yeah, it did sounded like it was a little fetishizing by my read. And okay. again, this is something you see throughout this film. Um I think Julia Stahl is is in many ways the secret weapon of this film. Mm-hmm. I, I think, um, as you said, she doesn't get to do a lot. But as an actress, I think I think her physicality is is that uh, my favorite type of actor where you can tell there's something else going on mm-hmm. underneath. Mm-hmm. So that when they hit that moment at the beginning, when, of course, you know, again, it's, it's beat beat for beat from the play Othello. So 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 Hugo and, and his boy and they tell her dad that she is dating or that she's with Odin. He calls her in. They have the confrontation. She tells him, you know, what we're doing is my business, so on and so forth, just like the play. But unlike the film a couple of weeks ago, they actually hit that beat really hard. Yeah. Where her father says to Odin, once again, if she lost to me, what makes you think she won't lie to you? And Julia Stiles, I think, has this sort of nuance, this sort of interiority where I can see how Odin got twisted up and kind of looks at her and are you telling me the truth? And because it's high school, because it is heightened, much like you, it made much more sense for things to get to this point. Yeah. And unfortunately, like, you, you know, as history bore witness to, you see how this spirals out of control. There's a very cool, talking about spirals, it's a cool, there is one cool shot right. going up a spiral staircase. And, and, right, 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 right. It's yeah. this visual representation yeah. of things spiral, spiraling. Mm-hmm. And I really, really enjoyed this. Like, I really enjoyed this as an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Like, like I thought it really landed in a way where it is faithful to the spirit of the play, but it's also its own thing. Yeah. Which, you know, I just name checked and, you know, in my mind, you know, the greatest adaptation <laughs> Of Shakespeare, like like I like I, I don't really have a controversial choice. Like I really do think West Side Story is the perfect kind of threading the needle of true to the spirit, but then it's also its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I think this is more West Side Story than not. Like like oh I yeah, really one hundred percent really enjoy lives this. in that space. It one hundred percent lives in that space of West Side Story. Um, And I think that I think the worst thing you can say about this movie is that you 
I wish that the production values actually were just a little bit better. Sure. Because there, there, there is a almost TV movie type of sheen to it a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know what, though? Almost inadvertently, looking at it now, and, and, and you know, certainly since 2001, that sort of CW kind of teen show has become a, come, become a genre in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's very easy to watch this for an hour. And it's like, it's the melodrama of one of these kind of disposable right, teen right. shows. But then it reminds me, oh, you're watching a play by Shakespeare. Yeah. It's about to be a bunch of dead bodies. Right, right. It's about to get real, real quick. So that it... it, it it is actually shock. Like you said, it is. a. I think, you know, I think we watch these plays, you know, obviously I've got like three or four different Shakespeare rants, but one of my rants is because people have the period clothing on because they use this speech, mm-hmm. the raw emotions and the rawness of, of a lot of what's going on doesn't resonate with modern audiences, unless you have, you know, like an amazingly transcendent cast. Yeah. Like, you know, spoiler, I think next week people, you know, Francis McDermott and, and Denzel Washington and Corey Hawkins are transcendent to get this across. But usually is just a du- some dudes in tights mm-hmm. saying thou for and therefore and in swords and scabbards. Making this modern day, making it teenagers, mm. there is a visceral immediacy to this. So that, as you said, it just follows the plot of the play. Yeah. But when you have some 16, 17, 18-year-old kids doing it at a high school, you understand why. Is it, was this Miramax? I, I forget what company it was. I don't think it was Mary Probably Max. whoever it was saw Columbine and said, oh, shit, we can't let can't, we, 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 can't, we can't put this on the screen. Because 20 some odd years later. I gasped a little bit mm-hmm. once the guns start showing up. Yeah. So most definitely, um, you know, you're talking about you think about it like this guys in tight saying these and thou's and stuff. There was a couple of lines from the script that kind of like I bumped up against. There is the there is the 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 character who's the, the person that Iago is like trying to rope into all this stuff stuff. <laughs> well, it would be Rodrigo in in the, in, in, in the play in, in Othello. In Othello in here that would be um Roger. Roger. Played by Eldon Henson, a very young Eldon very Henson. Very young. Who if you watch Daredevil, he mm-hmm. played Foggy. Um he or dumb Roger. He says, you know, like Hugo is trying to talk him into like, you know, because he wants Desi. Yes. You know. Um and he's and Hugo's trying to tell him, like, yo, no, they're breaking up. They're, they're breaking up while they're sitting there at, at a party and they're dancing. Right. And Roger says People that break up aren't grinding. <laughs> you leave poor dumb Roger alone. I was like, I was like, oh really? They're not grinding? Is that what they're not doing, Roger? 
They're not grinding. Roger got beat up twice. Roger got he got stabbed. And then he got murdered. He got jacked up. And then Hugo. Yes. In trying to, you know, sow the seeds mm-hmm. into Odin. Yes. About Desi. Yes. Hugo. White Hugo. White Hugo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. White Hugo. They should have put this on the poster. <laughs> they should have put this on the poster. What did, what did he say? Tells Odin. <laughs> you grew up in the hood. You grew up in the hood. But I know white girls. <laughs> and what... And what does Hugo tell Odin about white girls? Girls are snaky. White girls are <laughs> snaky. White girls are snaky. I said, you are both insulting <laughs> and you've made up a word. Oh this God. is fantastic. <laughs> that was... The best part is that Odin is like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I am from the hood. I don't know about these things. I'm very, very good at basketball. I am unfamiliar with the ways of white girls. I trust you, Hugo, to show me the way. And apparently they're snaky. Oh, God. <coughs> Yeah, I I I was tickled at that. Yes. I was I was tickled at that. I was also, and this is just, this is just bad direction. So at the end of the movie, yes, you know if you you remember, uh, Odin has killed Desi. Yes, strangles her, just, and and he, and he strangles her just like in a play. And her best friend, uh, Emily, Emily comes running in and and like basically gives up the tapes to Odin which just like the play just like the play mm-hmm. with Hugo falling running right behind her and then Hugo kills Emily just like in a play just like in a play mm-hmm. and then Hugo goes running out of the room yes and somebody in the hallway grabs Hugo and throws him down on the ground mm mm-hmm. mhm and you never see that person again. <laughs> because then Hugo is just laying on the ground. And Odin comes slowly out of the room afterwards yeah. to confront him. Yeah. But nobody is like you threw Hugo on the ground. It would yes. seem to me like, okay, now we're about to pounce on you because we've seen what you've done, or right. at least hold you down. Right. But they don't do anything. Right. A. They're teenagers. B, I don't know what's going on in here, but I'm a rich kid here in boarding school. I, 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 I'm not even going to say rich kid in boarding school. Like, I don't know what's going on in here. I heard a, a gunshot and, 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 and the dean's daughter is dead in there and the star basketball players wandering around. And the coach's son, it's yeah, I'm I'm getting out the way. No, I would get out the way, but somebody grabbed him and threw him right, to the right, ground. Right, 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 right. And then that person just it's, And you don't even see the person's face. You it just, was it was a hullabaloo, Lynn. <laughs> it was a hullabaloo. It was a lot going on. It was a brouhaha. <laughs> it was a Donnie Brook. It was indeed a Donnie Brook. So 
don't know. I just yeah bothered me. That that that's the part that bothered you. That and the sneaky white girls. That is white girls are sneaky. Are sneaky. You from the hood, but I know white girls. If I, if I was old and ugly, why why do you sound like a pimp? From 1972. Like, I understand you and I are the only ones who aren't rich kids here, but. White chocolate? What are you doing (laughs) right now? It's like Captain Kangaroo Pimp all of a sudden. (gasps) But I guess the Mm. real question Mm. is would you recommend this? I think I would recommend O. I would recommend O. You gotta know what you're going in for. Um, so, but I think I would, I land at, oh, I think it is, um, a movie worth watching and worth watching, you know, sitting down with, um, if you got some teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I strongly recommend, oh, I, I think, um, you know, again, West Side Story for me is, is the gold standard, but, but, you know, I'm thinking about something like, uh, is that, that, it's not Baz Luhrmann, is it? The Romeo and Juliet, like the really stylized. Yes, yes. Is that Baz Luhrmann? Mm-hmm. I, I think this would be a great double bill mm-hmm. with that. I've not, I've only seen like a parts of it. Really, That's a, the Leonardo DiCaprio one you're talking about, all right? So good. Yeah. Like it really, really. But but you know, I, again, I think. I think the, the 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 problem with the way society and culture we've deified Shakespeare mm. and turned him into this sort of this plateau of of fine art. Yeah. Yeah. It puts us at a distance to enjoy what makes it so good. Like actually good Mm -hmm. and and something like this because i do think the play is supposed to be unsettling yes once you get to the part near the end Mm -hmm. and this really captures that like it really really captures it's it is it is a shame that columbine happened I know. Because I do think it has had a bit of a muted life since then. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I feel like it came out eventually. And even when it came out, we were, you know, at, as a society, we were all still very raw from very Columbine. Much, so, so, you know, it came out and then it went away almost immediately. But because it is eerie, the kind of beats Mm-hmm. that this film hits yeah that you know unfortunately now we're all kind of familiar with with these very disturbed kids in high school mm-hmm. so so yeah i would very much recommend that uh question for you mm-hmm. so we've we've seen an adaptation of the play yes othello yes and we have also seen two reimagining right right you're including up all night all I'm night missing, long. All night long. I'm sorry. All yeah. night long, yeah. which was from the 60s, which had like a London jazz setting. Yes. With Patrick McGowan. Uh, and now, oh. Yes. 
Which do you think does the better job of adapting the the play? I was kind of hoping you wouldn't ask me that because I feel so weird for me to say, oh. Really? Because it's so beat to beat. Again, it's not even beat, just beat to beat. I think... You know, again, I think we get all garbled up like 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 because we're Americans. Like we see the race part and we kind of put on these these sort of blinders and that's all we want to talk about. Right. But there's so much more going on in Othello Mm -hmm. with this sort of ambient bigotry Mm -hmm. that racism is just part of it. Mm hmm. And and one of the things that I love so much about this adaptation is that, yeah, everybody is racist. But there's also all of this classism. Yeah, it's, it's kinda, a lot more kind of running through yeah, it as yeah. well that kind of intertwines with the racism. Mm-hmm. So that what you have is, is this character who's completely isolated. I also, I think this also bypasses something that we kind of talked about a couple of weeks ago where I think as, as modern audiences, we're let off the hook with Othello because it's always like Paul Robeson or Denzel Washington or Lawrence Fishburne Mm -hmm. playing Othello. Mm -hmm. So as modern audiences, we can go, Oh, that's so racist. How could you not want your daughter to be with Paul Robeson? How mm. could you not want your daughter to be with 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 Denzel Washington? But Makai Pfeiffer plays an Othello character that you're like, you know, like he comes across kind of ruggish, thuggish. So you're like, you know, like if you're honest with yourself, it's like, would I want my daughter to be with a like if my daughter was in high school, if she was a sophomore in high school and they went and recruited this kid? quote unquote from the hood and he came and, and then I found out she was sneaking around with him. Like, how would I feel about that? Mm. So it makes you kind of confront. And again, I think the film does a great job of showing, you know, he's, he's a kid. Like I think he's a, I think he's a nice kid. Yeah. I think he's a nice kid. I don't think he comes across as ruggish thuggish. I think that Makai Pfeiffer, you know, young, you know, Makai Pfeiffer, Makai Pfeiffer, not Makai help. Pfeiffer, this character Odin. I don't think the character Odin is is rugged. I think he's a little, you know. I mean, he's got. I mean, he definitely he's, he's feeling himself because he's a star basketball player. Right, right, right. But I don't think he comes across as thuggish, and I think there's actually is text in there to, to to speak against that. But I think he's not. He's maybe thuggish. a little rougher around the edges right. than everybody well, else. Right. Okay. So now we're just splitting hairs. Maybe again. I think this is a challenging Othello. Mm-hmm. For an audience in a way that Lawrence Fishburne with his very deep voice. And, you know, that, as you said, for 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 his Othello to say, I'm not a wordsmith. And you said, I mean, you sound very Shakespearean to me. Right. And obviously you were Shakespearean enough to get the job. Mm-hmm. He's a little different than Odin. Yeah. So, again, I think Odin challenges us a little bit more as an audience. Yeah, and I think I think it's just speaking of two to two comparisons. I think that overall All Night Long is a better film package. Sure. 
But I think that, you know, we said one of the big, the, the letdowns of that film is Paul Harris as yes. Othello. Right. Um, and as much as these movies are about the Iago, the, you still have to feel the Othello. Sure, sure. And, and in his defense, as we pointed out, you know, the man is handcuffed by the fact that it's 1961. Right, right. Um, well, there you go, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. But don't be, let us be your judge. Go check out O for yourself. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Before we tell you how we are going to close out the bars of November, and Vincent gave you a bit of a clue mm-hmm. during his review, we invite you to follow the Me Show Mission on the social media of your choice, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, and or X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it, at Me Show Mission. You can also subscribe to the Me Show Mission on YouTube at Me Show Mission, where you can subscribe, hit the bell so you'll be notified when every time that we have new videos and new shorts that are going up on the um, channel, and be notified when we schedule our next live event. The Michelle Mission is also a proud member of the Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcast work such as ours, which is streamed every Tuesday night live from Young Junk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace right here in Maniunk. Go to thevideocontentfactory.com and book your time in one of the lovely studios here at Young Junk. But you can't have this one because this is ours and you can't have Dylan because he is glued to his seat. If you want to, you know, send some treats to to Dylan, you can email us at the me show mission at gmail.com. That's M I C H E A U X M I W S I O N at gmail.com. Let us know what's on your mind and you can send us some coupons for some treats because Dylan does eat a lot. He likes barbecue Fritos. That's just a hint. Okay. Next week here on the me show mission, ladies and gentlemen, we will close out the bards of November with Vincent selection and when we announced that we were going to be doing adaptations of William Shakespeare this was the first film that Vincent selected True, and I knew it would be so I didn't even look at it oh yeah it's from 2021 yes sir so it's Denzel Washington yes, Francis McDermott and yes. Corey Hawkins yes yes and yes the tragedy of Macbeth mm, mm, mm. in beautiful black and white mm, mm. next week here on the Me Show Mission. Until then, please have a safe, happy holiday. He's Vincent. I'm Len. That's Dylan. And in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb with co-production by Mo Poplar. Music by Alexa Gold and filmed at the Video Content Factory. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network.